Well, tonight I want to consider a subject that I think needs to be addressed from time to time as a church, much like uh, we looked at at the end of September and what is the unforgivable sin. Tonight I want to look at the subject of does First Baptist Church believe that healings and miracles still happen today? This uh, message that I'm going to share with you tonight is adapted from a message that I preached back in 2009. Back in 2009, I did a series of 19, 19 messages on the doctrine or the teaching of the Holy Spirit in Scripture, a systematic theology kind of series on, on the subject of the Holy Spirit. And this was one of the messages that is not identical, but is very it is adapted from that and something that I think, as I mentioned, that we need to consider from time to time. Because people get sick, people have diseases, people are diagnosed with serious illnesses, and the question comes up, does God still heal today? And they look in the Old Testament and in the New Testament, and they see miracles taking place, and they see God performing healings, Jesus in his earthly ministry performing healings, the apostles performing healings, and the question becomes, are we supposed to see those things today? Are those things that they did supposed to be normative for us as Christians today? And I think those are important questions. And I want to try as best as I can tonight to address that with you. But what I want to do, first of all, is lay a foundation for everything else that I'm going to share with you. So I would like you, if you have a Bible with you, to turn to Romans chapter 1 and verses 14 through 17. We're going to look at quite a few different scriptures tonight, but this will be the foundation one from which the others will spring. Romans 1, famous passage, Romans 1, verses 14 through 17. And here to the churches at Rome, the Apostle Paul writes, I am under obligation both to Greeks and to barbarians, both to the wise and to the foolish. So I am eager to preach the gospel to you also who are in Rome. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For in it, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith. As it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. Paul says, I am eager to preach the gospel to you, you Roman Christians. I am, I am eager to preach the gospel in the area of Rome. And I'm not ashamed of the gospel, and here's why. Here's why I'm not ashamed of the gospel, because it is, the gospel is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. The gospel is the power of God for salvation. The gospel is the power of God for salvation. For in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith. Some translations have from faith to faith. In the gospel, we see that a righteous God justifies sinful men and women by imputing or transferring the righteousness of Christ to them. Let me say that again. In the gospel, we see that a righteous God justifies or declares to be forgiven, reconciled to God. He justifies them by transferring the righteousness of Christ to them so that they are 
He takes his righteousness to sinful men and women, transfers the righteousness of Christ to them so that they stand righteous before him. And I want you to know tonight when that takes place in an individual heart, in the soul of a man or a woman, that is the greatest miracle ever seen. When a person is born again, when they are transferred from the kingdom of Satan to the kingdom of God, that is the greatest miracle you will ever experience or witness in your entire lifetime. And that leads us to our first point tonight, and that is first things first. There are two things. If we're going to consider this subject, does our church believe that healings and miracles still happen today? We have to establish two things. The first one is this. I think we would all agree that salvation is the most important healing and miracle of all. It is always the primary mission of the church. I would hope we would all agree that salvation is the most important healing and miracle. A desire to see healings and miracles in a church or in our Christian life must never replace the gospel, mes the gospel message. Okay? A desire to see healings and miracles, to somehow see the sensational happen, must never, ever replace the gospel message. I know this is a fairly simplistic question, but I want to ask it. What if, or what good would it be, if I were cured of cancer, or if I were cured of some other terminal illness, only to spend eternity in hell? What good would it be? What would have been accomplished? So I'm an unbelieving person who has rejected the gospel. I get cancer. Somehow the, the doctor walks up to me and says, your cancer is gone. So what? I'm still going to spend eternity in hell. If I don't have the gospel, I don't have anything. If I don't have the salvation of Christ, I don't have anything. I want you to remember something with me tonight. Don't forget this. Every person that Jesus healed ends up dying. Have you thought of it that way? Every single person that Jesus healed in the Gospels ended up dying. Lazarus is raised from the dead. It is a great miracle. The people are astounded by it. Everyone wonders, how can this be that Jesus raises a man from the dead? But folks, let me tell you, Lazarus died. Lazarus ended up, I don't know how he died, whether he got sick or just got old, but he ended up dying. So the top priority of every church should be the preaching and teaching of God's word. The top priority of every church should be the preaching of teaching, the preaching and teaching of God's word centered on the gospel as explained from Genesis to Revelation. Should be the preaching and teaching of God's word centered on the gospel as explained from Genesis all the way to the book of Revelation. So first and foremost, let us establish tonight that salvation is the most important healing and miracle of all. Secondly, let's establish something tonight. God can heal anytime he wants and anywhere he wants. I believe the Bible teaches that. We believe that as a church. I want you to know that tonight. We believe that as a church, that God can heal anytime he wants and anywhere 
he wants. God is still healing people and God is still performing miracles today. Now, there is no limit. There is no limit to what God can do as long as it is consistent with his character and his moral standards. God can do anything. Now, there is a limit to what God can do because God cannot sin. God cannot do anything that is inconsistent with his own character or moral standards. But within his own character and moral standards, God can do anything that he chooses to do. God can heal you in a hospital bed. God can heal you in your home. God can heal you anywhere he chooses. In Jeremiah chapter 32 and verse 17, the prophet Jeremiah says, Ah, sovereign Lord, you have made the heavens and the earth by your great power and outstretched arm. Nothing is too hard for you. That promise has not changed. Nothing is too hard for God right down to today. In Matthew chapter 19 and verse 26, Jesus says, With God, all things are possible. With God, all things are possible. So the very simple answer to the question that I'm posing tonight, does First Baptist Church believe that healings and miracles still happen today? The answer is absolutely yes, we do. We believe as a church, based on the authority of Scripture, that God still performs healings and miracles in our day and age. However... And this is our second point. There are some important considerations as we look at the entirety of Scripture. Things we need to understand in our belief that, number one, salvation is the most important miracle and healing of all, and that God can heal and do miracles anytime and anywhere he chooses. Within that, there are some important considerations. First consideration is this. And here is where we would have respectful differences with some of our brothers and sisters in Christ, especially some of our charismatic and Pentecostal brothers and sisters in Christ. Our first consideration is this. Biblically, it is not always God's will to heal. It is always God's will to bring maximum glory to himself. We think we believe as you look at the totality of Scripture, Old and New Testament, it is not always God's will to heal. It is always God's will to bring maximum glory to himself. Sometimes God chooses not to heal. Sometimes a Christian gets sick and there is a great healing. Sometimes a Christian gets sick and they stay sick or they die both faithful to the Lord Jesus Christ, but within the will of God, he chooses to heal one and not to heal the other. Do you know who is one of the greatest examples of this? The Apostle Paul himself. The Apostle Paul was given a thorn in the flesh, some kind of suffering that he experienced. We don't know exactly what it was, lots of speculation about what it might have been. He begged God three times, three times to take it away from him and God chose not to and God said to him my grace is sufficient for you and my power 
is manifested in your weakness. My power is glorified in your weakness, Paul. Think of the Apostle Paul. Have you ever thought about this? There were multiple times where he was whipped, he was beaten, he was stoned and left for dead, and there is no evidence whatsoever in the New Testament that Paul just said, okay, all these scars, be healed. As far as we know, never happened. In fact, we find in his teachings in the epistles that his scars were the evidence of his willingness to suffer for the sake of the gospel and for the glory of Christ. He didn't even heal himself when he had these scars and injuries um, from the beatings that he suffered. Sometimes God does not heal because it is time for a Christian to go to heaven. Sometimes that's very simply it. Sometimes someone gets cancer. Sometimes they get some other illness or injury. And they die. And the reason is because it's their time. I personally believe in my own study of Scripture that every single person here tonight, including myself, has a time on God's calendar. And one day he will take us to be home with him. It could happen when you were in your 20s. It could happen when you were in your 90s. That's God's choice. And sometimes the reason that someone is not healed is simply because it's their time. It's their time to go home. We're all longing to go home. We're all longing for that time when we go to heaven. And someday, that day will come for each of us. Sometimes God does not heal because he will receive greater glory through, excuse me, through demonstrating his power through the person's weakness like he did with Paul. Probably everyone here knows at least of someone who has gotten sick. And through their illness, perhaps it was a prolonged illness, they were an amazing testimony for Christ. Maybe they were to sh able to share the gospel with the hospital personnel or with extended family members who had been hardened to the gospel. And God uses their illness. People are amazed. How can you be so joyful in the midst of your suffering? And God glorifies himself in the midst of someone's suffering because they find their thrill, their joy in Jesus. What did we just sing? All that thrills my soul is Jesus. And when you're able to say that in the midst of your illness, in the midst of your suffering, it is a powerful testimony. Sometimes God allows a person to suffer and chooses not to heal them so that they can demonstrate to all of us that the things of this world really are transient and passing and they really don't matter in the end. All of the material things and all of the fame and glory that people pursue and believe is so important, are sometimes shown to us through a, the suffering of an individual who finds that joy and satisfaction and reminds all of us that it doesn't matter. And we all have to admit tonight that there have been many godly men and women throughout church history who have loved and served Christ faithfully and have not been healed, who have contracted different kinds of illnesses and haven't been healed, healed and yet they have been so faithful to Christ. Are we to say that God was unfaithful to them? 
No, absolutely not. God simply chose for his own purposes within his divine sovereign will not to heal them. One of the great examples in church history is the American missionary David Brainerd. He was a missionary to the Native Americans, lived a short life, but he was a powerful missionary, an incredibly godly young man. He was influenced by the preachers of the First Great Awakening, men like George Whitfield and Jonathan Edwards. David Brainerd gave his life for the spread of the gospel. He, in his young life, contracted tuberculosis, and there are famous stories of him going into areas where the Native American tribes were spitting up blood and seeing trails of blood in the snow as you followed him. And he suffered greatly from that and ended up dying at 29 years of age, but giving great glory to God. Um, his biography, the biography of David Brainerd, has been used by God to influence many people and many missionaries William Carey and Jim Elliott were both profoundly influenced by David Brainer's biography. Why did God not choose to heal him? Could God have healed him? Of course he could have. But he chose not to because he received greater glory through his suffering and through, see, and through seeing Jesus exalted through him. I think of Charles Spurgeon, the great English preacher. Many consider him the greatest preacher in the English language that we've ever seen. Charles Spurgeon spent almost his entire adult life suffering from, from profound depression, a depression that left him in the pits of despair often in his ministry. Here is this great preacher who preached to thousands in his career suffering greatly from depression a depression that God chose not to heal him from now there are many charismatics and Pentecostals today that teach that the only reason a person is not healed is because they lack faith and I just want you to know tonight I do not believe that I do not believe that I think people of great faith have not been healed simply because God has chosen not to heal them for his own purposes and reasons. I can remember so clearly many, many years ago when Johnny Erickson, now Johnny Erickson Tata, having someone say to me that if Johnny Erickson Tata truly had faith, she'd get up from that wheelchair and walk. And I think how sad that is because she is still being used by God today as a quadriplegic in powerful ways, still sharing her testimony in influencing thousands, if not millions of people through her weakness, seeing the greatness and power of Christ manifested through her weakness. So it is not always, it is not always God's will to heal. It is always God's will to bring maximum glory to himself. A second consideration. It appears that the individual spiritual gifts of healings and miracles have passed away. Those individual gifts that were given to some in the New Testament, it appears that the individual spiritual gift of someone being a healer has passed away for the most part. Now, there is some disagreement on this. John Piper believes that it may come for short periods of time on certain mission fields to certain people for certain very rare purposes. Others disagree with him on that, but I think for the most part, what we see in the early part of the New Testament, 
that individual gift has passed away. So I am making a distinction tonight between the individual gift of healing and God's ability or desire to heal and perform miracles today. We think of Jesus. Jesus healed many people, as you know. Many people with diseases were miraculously healed by him. He cast out many demons. He had power over nature. And I think it would be a stretch for any of us to say that we have the same kind of healing or power today in the same measure individually that he had because what he had was unique. Jesus healed primarily, primarily, to provide evidence that he is the Son of God and that he is the Messiah, the Savior of the world who was to come into the world to provide for our salvation. So his miracles were great, they were incredible, they were stupendous, but they were very unique to Jesus and his own earthly ministry. The apostles performed tremendous miracles. They did. There were the 70 that were sent out two by two that performed miracles. Barnabas and Stephen also performed miracles. However, the apostles healed primarily to confirm the authority of the gospel in the early years of the church before the word of God was complete. There was no what we would call the canon of scripture. The word of God was not complete yet. It was going out in bits and pieces and would eventually be completed with the book of Revelation. But before that happened, before people had the word of God, God used the apostles to perform miracles to verify that what they were saying in the gospel message was indeed from God. And I want you to think, the apostles, when they healed, they healed with a word or touch. They healed instantly. They healed com totally and completely. They were able to heal anyone and they were able to raise the dead. They had some very unique capabilities. Let me give you a couple of examples. In Acts chapter 5 verses 15 and 16, this is what it says of Peter. Notice this. As a result, people brought the sick into the streets and laid them on beds and mats so that at least Peter's shadow might fall on some of them as he passed by. Crowds gathered also from the towns around Jerusalem, bringing their sick and those tormented by evil spirits. And all of them, notice this, all of them were healed. They brought the sick into the streets and laid them on beds and mats so that at least Peter's shadow might fall on them as he passed by. If you've truly got the gift of healing, your shadow will heal people. That's how great it was. His shadow would literally come over you and you would be healed. In Acts chapter 19 and verse 11, it says this of the apostle Paul. God did extraordinary miracles through Paul so that even handkerchiefs and aprons that had touched him were taken to the sick and their illnesses were cured and the evil spirits left them. Wow. Now that's the gift of healing. You want to know what the gift of healing is? You touch a handkerchief or an apron and they, and they touch it and they get healed. You have the gift of healing. And my point simply is we don't see that today. We don't see that, not in that unique character among us today. 
And it appears that the gift of healing, as the New Testament progresses, gradually passes away, even among some of the apostles, as the word of God begins to come to completion. Very interesting. In Philippians chapter 2, Paul tells of Epaphroditus. Epaphroditus was from Philippi, and so Paul says, I want you to know Epaphroditus is concerned that you're worried about his illness. Yes, he was ill and he almost died, but God had mercy on him. Now, Paul's right with him. How come Paul didn't just heal him? It appears that Paul didn't even work to heal him, that he was sick, just like you might get sick, and God had mercy on him. All of a sudden, he, he got well, or gradually he got well, and Paul simply ascribes it to the mercy of God. We think of that famous verse in 2 Timothy chapter 4, in verse 20, where Paul, writing to Timothy, says, I left Trophimus sick at Miletus. And you're thinking, Paul left Trophimus sick at Miletus. In Acts 19, it said that anybody who touched his handkerchief or apron was healed. The sick were taken to him, and all their illnesses were cured, and their evil spirits left them, but he leaves Trophimus sick at Miletus? Why? Why didn't Paul just heal him? Why didn't Paul just let him touch his handkerchief so that he could be healed? It, it appears it appears as we have the word of God, as it comes to its completion, that the gift, the individual gift of healing and miracles begins to fade away. It's interesting. I was listening to John MacArthur preach on this subject, and he says this, and this might be helpful for you tonight. He said, in the New Testament, only Jesus, the apostles, and those who were closely associated with them performed miracles. Others separated from them did not. Every miracle performed by an individual was either performed by Jesus, one of the apostles, or someone like Stephen, Barnabas, or one of the 70 that were closely associated with them. But we don't see any miracles with those later in the New Testament. R.C. Sproul, I've also listened to him speak on this subject, and he said this, in Reformed theology, which is the theological background that he was trained in and is in today, he said in Reformed theology, they make a distinction between the miracles of Jesus and the apostles and what they term as providential supernatural acts. So they make a distinction between the miracles of Jesus and the apostles and what is today what they would term providential supernatural acts. Now that may be for some of you a matter of semantics and just wording. However, he said that often people will say, R.C., does God still heal today? Does God still perform miracles today? And he said he cringes a little bit when people ask that question because... He's not sure what they're asking him. Often what they're asking him is, can we do the same things Jesus and the apostles did? And he said he very carefully has to first define what they are asking and then answer the question, much like we would as a church. 
No, we don't have the same exact healing gifts as Jesus and the apostles did, those individual gifts. However, however, yes, we do believe that providentially God can choose to heal and do miracles anytime he wants and anywhere he wants. Yes, we do believe that. So the question is often asked, then how do we explain faith healers and healings today? And that's a loaded question and probably an entire sermon in and of itself. What about Benny Hinn? What about Kenneth Hagin? What about Kenneth Copeland and people like them? All I can say to you tonight is be very, very, very skeptical. I think many of their healings or professed healings are mental and emotional manipulation. Documentaries have been done about the controlled environments in which they perform these healings and the great wealth that they get from people. Um, many of these people are millionaires many times over from their faith healings. Um, Stories of people they claimed to heal who later on said they weren't really healed. All kinds of questions surrounding them. But here's the thing that I am most skeptical about. They always do their healings in arenas or churches in very controlled environments. If they truly had the gift of healing like Jesus or the apostles, they wouldn't need to be there. Folks, you don't need to go to Chicago or Detroit or Cleveland to some arena to be healed. If God wants to heal you, he'll heal you right where you are. He'll heal you at home. He'll heal you in the hospital. He'll heal you, heal you anywhere you want. And I know these men, like Benny Hinn, have been challenged over and over again. If you really have the gift of healing, go to the hospitals. Clean them out. If you had the healing powers of the apostles, you could do that. You could. Go to these military hospitals near battlefields where men and women lie wounded and heal them. But they don't. They don't. It's always, always in very controlled environments. So it appears that the individual spiritual gifts of healings and miracles have passed away. Another consideration, don't limit, don't limit your definition of healing and miracles or healings and miracles to physical ailments and injuries. We tend to do that. Oh, he has cancer or he's in a wheelchair or he's had this or he's had that. Remember, remember what I started with. Salvation is the greatest miracle of all. But there, folks, there are all kinds of other miracles. God can bring emotional healing to people. God brings marital healing. Let me tell you, when a man and a woman are having great conflict in their marriage and are on the verge of divorce and God brings a healing in their marriage, that is a miracle. It is a miracle. It is a supernatural act of the Holy Spirit and let us recognize it and acknowledge it for what it is. God brings healing to people who are suffering from drug addiction. God brings healing from people who are suffering from alcoholism. There are many many different kinds of healings and miracles that God is still doing today. And don't forget to look for the ordinary miracles that are happening all around us every single day. Let me tell you, when the sun rises and the sun sets every day, it is a miracle. 
when the seasons change on time in the same way every year. It is a miracle. You know it's a miracle, the birth of a baby. It is. When you see a baby born, think of all these babies being born in our congregation. I think of Liz and Andrew just having another beautiful baby. You know what that is? It's a miracle. It is a great miracle. When you see those little babies come into the world and come into our church or other churches, let us acknowledge it for what it is. It is a great miracle of God. This is a precious human being with an eternal soul who has come into our world. And then lastly tonight, a final consideration. Don't pursue healings and miracles in order to verify and validate your faith. That is a dangerous thing to do. Sometimes I see people saying, well, if God really wants me to do this, then, I'm, then let him perform some miracle here or let him perform some miracle there. No, you know where our faith is to be? Our faith is to be in God himself and in his word. Don't ask God to perform some miracle for you to verify what you're supposed to do. Just trust him. Just trust him to lead and guide. In Matthew chapter 12 and verse 39, it says this, He, Jesus, answered, A wicked and adulterous generation asks for a miraculous sign, but none will be given it except the sign of the prophet Jonah. What is the sign of the prophet Jonah? Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the great fish, so Jesus will be three days and three nights in the belly of the ground and then rise again. It is the gospel itself. Jesus says, A wicked and adulterous generation asks for a miraculous sign, Here's the sign that you need, the sign of the gospel, that Jesus will die and will be raised again to provide a victorious and glorious salvation. Remember, folks, we walk by faith, not by sight. We walk by faith. Don't put God to the test unnecessarily. There was a man in the 1700s. His name was John Newton. He was a well-known at that time slave trader, a very wicked and vile man. There are stories of John Newton that when he would transport slaves on his ship, that if some of them went overboard to try to escape, that he would actually have them harpooned and drawn back into the boat. He was a wicked man, but John Newton was miraculously saved by the gospel of Jesus Christ. He became a different man, a saved man, and he wrote these words. He said, Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see. Do you know what that is? That's a miracle. That is a miracle. Does God perform miracles and healings today? Absolutely, he does. But let God choose to do it in his way and in his time. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you that you are a sovereign God of the miraculous. Help us to submit to you, to trust you so completely that whether you heal or don't heal, whether you do a miracle or don't do a miracle, our faith and confidence is completely in you. Oh, Lord, help us as a people to allow you to be sovereign and to find our 
greatest joy, our greatest satisfaction in Jesus himself. For it's in his name we pray. Amen.